If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so that it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Hooper's Unhailed, a Capital Flavor production in partnership with 265 Media. Ladies and gentlemen, it's our pleasure to welcome you to New York, where the local time is 12 o'clock. For your safety, please remain seated with your seatbelt fastened and keep the aisles clear until we are parked at the gate and the seatbelt sign has been switched off. What up, what it is, what's poppin', it's your boy K-Dot, and welcome to another episode of Hoopers Unhailed. This episode brings me right off the F train on the 21st and Queensbridge. That's right, where the legends are. We talking Nas, Mob D, MC Shan, Molly Maul. But I come here to interview one unhailed Hooper by the name of Daniel Artest. Yeah, Artest, you heard of it. That's Ron Artez's brother. So, we're here to bring his story to life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the story. Welcome, everybody. This is Hooper's Unhailed. I am your host, Kevin, better known as KDOT. And I have, once again, a very special guest. He is... uh, He's a brother to me now. Um, We've met a while back, and I'm honored to have him on the show. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce Daniel Artest of the Daniel Artest Podcast and CEO of 265 Media. How you doing this evening, brother? Hey, man, I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me on the show, man. I'm I'm honored to be a guest on, um, on Hooper's Unheld. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, we're going to just jump right into it, man. And the first part of this, uh, this conversation, you know, I call, um, I I call this (laughs) now I'm blanking, (laughs) but I I call this humble beginnings. And, you know, I I basically just want to get into, you know, your childhood growing up and then your evolution uh, on how, you know, you picked up a basketball and, you know, maneuvered your way through um, through until you became a pro. So let's just let's just start start there. So, you know, 
how did you uh, get into basketball and, you know, your upbringings? And I know, you know, just by, you know, reading up on you, of course, you know, coming from, you know, a, a, a big family. So how, how did that come about? Well, my, my beginnings in basketball was a little bit different from most people. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I learned how to play the game of basketball at first watching a lot of Hakeem Olajuwon VHS tapes, man. You know, uh, my brother had this Hakeem Olajuwon VHS tape, and I just watched it and watched it and watched it. And then when I finally go outside to play some basketball, it wasn't even actually on a rim. I learned how to play basketball in the jungle gym, believe it or not, man. You know, um, just growing up playing on that jungle gym for years and stuff, you know what I mean? And um, and the trash can too as well. So I used to run my own imaginary full courts on a on a high jungle gym and then running back on defense and, um, you know, just playing fake defense and acting like I'm still in the ball and just, um, you know, re- recreating, you know, different different moments in the games and stuff like that. You know, the five, four, three, two, ones, and he scores and he wins the game and all, all that stuff. So, like – like my childhood basketball upbringing was definitely different. Like, you know, we couldn't really go at, um, far away from home because of the violence, you know, in Queensbridge at the time. So I was just stuck, you know, playing basketball, you know what I mean, on the trash can in the jungle gym and stuff. And they used to call me the monkey ball legend in Queensbridge and stuff because, like, you know, I, I got good really quick, <laughs> you know. And then when it translated – to playing ball on the actual rim, I actually um, didn't have a hard time, you know what I mean? Because I was already I was already skilled and stuff. So my first team I've ever played on was um, this team called St. Readers. It was CYO, meaning um, Catholic Youth Organization. Uh-huh. Um, it's a, a big church league and stuff. So that was my first team, and um, it was it was pretty cool, man. You know, it was that was like around 1991, you know, and um. And like I, I, I mean, I, I played like fifteen. It was like a fifteen game season, and I was like really a kid. So you know, you're not really motivated about the game and stuff. What motivated me to play the game was my dad. So he was like, "Hey, son, you know, for every point you score, I'll give you a dollar." You know, Ooh, the incentives. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know, I scored sixty-seven points. That first year, you know what I mean? 67 points in 15 games. So I guess my average was like four points a game my uh-huh. first year and stuff. And um, you know, it was funny because I did I, I did have a jump between my first ever year of playing basketball and my second ever year of playing basketball to the point where like, you know, now I'm scoring like, you know, in the games like 10 points, 12 points and stuff. I remember the first time I even scored 10 points, man. It was like it was awesome. I, I it felt like I scored 50. And I was like, man, I scored 10. Because, I, I, like, even though, you know, that season, my first season, I had some success scoring, you know, you know, playing 15 games and scoring 67 points <laughs> in 15 games. I never scored over – I never scored, like, six or something like that. The highest I had was, like, five. So, okay. I remember when I first had my first 10-point game, um, I was just, like – I scored, I scored like, um, six points in the first quarter. And then I was like, I got to get – I got to get some more baskets and stuff. So, I was getting the rebounds – and that's how I became a good rebounder is getting the rebounds and putting the shots back up until I can get it. And then when I got 10, like, it just – the doors just opened for me. I feel like I could score 10. Then I was like, oh, I got to score more. And then I remember the next game, I scored, like, 12, then 17. Like, I remember it all. 
And then I asked my dad, you know what I mean, for the second year. And I'm like, hey, dad, um, you want to do that dollar thing again? And then he was like, nope. <laughs> he, was, he was like, nope. You know, and so I just I just started falling in love with the game and stuff. And, um, you know, throughout the childhood years, you know, playing in Queensbridge um, at the Jacob Reese Center, playing on the blocks, 10th Street, uh, 12th Street and Vernon as well. And just getting and just getting better every day, every day. And I remember I was hanging out with my friends, um, my friends, uh, George Jefferson, rest in peace. And my other friend, uh, Sylvian Brown, we just, you know, playing basketball all day. And um, like I, they was just helping me get better. And then I had some rivals too as well. You know, uh, Jelani Perry, may he rest in peace. Uh, John Hemingway, you know, uh, just um, animal, you know. Um, so, and also another person, his name is Jeff, but we call him Left because he's uh-huh. always go left. That's it. You can't stop him going left either. So, you know what I mean? They became my rivals, but we, 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 we brothers, man, you know. And, um, like, it was just always fun just getting better every year. And then, like, my game started blowing up, like, around when I was – when I turned – I want to say when I turned, like, 13 years old and I started dunking the ball and stuff, you know. Um, at first, my friend Sylvian was dunking the ball. He was dunking the ball at 11, and I was grabbing the rim, you know what I mean, between, like, my 10th and 11th-year-old ages, um, you know. And so, like, Sylvian started dunking. I was like, I got to dunk. I got to dunk. You know what I mean? So once I started dunking, like it just it just took over for me. So I remember I caught my first dunk in a game on the, on the 40th side of 10th Street. Just got the rebound, went coast to coast, and just dunked the ball. 13 years old, you know. Um, every bit of like five ten, you know. And um, it was just fun. And then I remember like back in the Jacob Reese Center, you know, I caught my first body. You know what I mean? I dunked on one of my boys. <laughs> in the game and stuff that was that was actually pretty cool and and things like that and then i remember um you know just always going back and forth with sylvan and stuff and at first you know me and sylvian we wasn't we wasn't um cool at first like that people was just always pitting against uh, pitting us against each other because you know he's dunking and i'm kind of like low-key jealous he's dunking he's athletic as hell you know what i mean mm-hmm. he, got, he got a lot of stroll mount swift in his game when he jumped so he's he's athletic then he moves to miami and then he come back even taller. Now he got more hops and stuff. But I'm growing too. You know what I mean? I'm and then I'm playing with power and I'm dunking the ball and stuff. And so, um, like I remember it. And then people was like, you know, calling me out, like, yeah, Sylvan's back. He's six four. He gonna bust your ass, Foots, because they called me Foots because I my feet always been big. I my I wear size seventeen shoe, but my foot stopped growing when I was twelve. So they called oh, me wow. Foots. <laughs> yeah. So I just was like took it personal and stuff and like like. Like playing against Sylvan was like my first like real big game in, in Queensbridge and stuff. You know what I mean? I scored fifty points, thirty in the first half and stuff. You know, and um, and me and and then at the end of the game, you know what I mean? Me and Sylvia, I'm like, yo, like, well, we good. And then we just became friends, and then we started hooping with each other, and then we became like a problem because like we was both athletic, we was both really the only ones dunking in Queensbridge and stuff like that, and it was really hard to beat us. I mean, we I ain't saying that we went. We won all games because it was some games that we definitely lost. But the thing was the impact that we made because when we lost, these dudes celebrated like they won the NBA championship. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it, it was actually cool to have that type of impact and stuff like, you know. And, um, you know, just I never played high school ball. So, like, after, like, my junior high school year, um, I just I, I just couldn't get into 
get my grades right to play in high school than being a knucklehead as well. Um, and then people was like, you know, wanted me to live up to the whole, you know, the Ron thing and stuff. Cause you know, in junior high school, like the most I scored in the game was like six, 66 points. Oh, wow. So like people was just like, all right, I'm next up. And like, I didn't even want to go to that school, LaSalle Academy fresh at the run, you know, wins the city championship and stuff like that. They go 27 and 0, win the city mm-hmm. championship, number two in the nation. And then they looking at me like I'm supposed to be the next one and stuff. And I didn't want all that pressure. So I go to school. I didn't get eligible and stuff like that. So I just had a whole like, you know, you know, crazy route through high school. I went to like five or six different schools and stuff. And, and, um, you know, so it started out humble. Then it got really rocky for me, man. But I made my name on the AAU circuit pretty much. You know what I mean? Playing with good teams. Like, um, I started out with Riverside Church, but I didn't really like how Riverside Church was, you know, personally. They had a lot of great players like uh, Omar Cook, legendary, you know, streetball yeah. player. Um, Mike Boynton, who's the current coach at Oklahoma State University right now. You know, mm-hmm. um, who else we, we had? We had... Um, Zach Williams, another big man, went to um I want to I forgot what college he went to, but he went D one, and so it was a lot of it was a lot of good teams, man. I mean a lot of good players on that team, but you know it wasn't it wasn't for me and stuff, you know what I mean? Because the level the level was was really high playing with Rivers at Church, and I realized as good as I was, I wasn't on that level of play, you know. So I needed to just build on my own. So I went with a, a smaller team organization called Elm Corps, which is based in Elmhurst, Corona, Queens area. And okay. I was, able to, okay. I was able to, you know, grow my game, and um, we actually ended up beating Riverside Church in a lot of tournaments, you know, beating Gauchos and stuff like that. And then, um, you know, we partnered up with with um, Wolfpack. That was when I teamed up with Lenny Cook, and um, you know, my other point guard Shaheen McNair. We had a bunch of good guys on that team as well. I think Smush Parker played with us a couple times. You know, we had Sonyata Gaines. Charlie Villanueva. Oh, yeah, I remember Sadiana. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Charlie Villanueva. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it was it was actually pretty dope. Curtis Sumter, who went to Villanova, who works in the Philadelphia 76ers organization and stuff, you know, um, and it was cool and stuff. So like my, my, my beginnings, like between like the youth and high school was 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 crazy. It was weird because like I didn't have no experience playing high school ball, but my name was still ringing bells and stuff. And um, I remember I played in the showcase game. For this um dude named Nate Nate Blue, and Nate Blue um he basically um ran this company called Real Scout Basketball, and mm-hmm. um so he had a game. He had all the heavy hitters there in New York City. I'm talking about like you know everybody like pretty much everybody was there that that played that game, and um like Luol Dang and everybody like that. And I played on the other team on the other team opposite of them, and I scored 40 points. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, that game put me on the map as far as like with junior colleges and stuff. And um and then um and then I had 40 points playing strong on the inside. And then I was ranked number two in the state. So no high school, no high school um basketball play. Nobody knew who I was, you know what I'm saying? Um, besides just being Ron's brother and stuff, but to be ranked number two in the state of New York, you know, that that was actually, you know, pretty cool. I wish I was one, but they gave that to Julius Hodge, which is understandable because Julius Hodge was a problem. But to be two with no high school experience, like, it says a lot. You know what I'm saying? So the beginning was crazy, bro. Crazy. That is crazy, man. And you know what? It's it's funny that you, you know, that you mentioned that, um, you know, you didn't play any high school ball because, you know, you're the second unhailed hooper 
that did what you were able to do without playing high school basketball. That is crazy. So big ups to you. So let's let's transition into, um, you know, the University of Southern Nevada. Um, I understand that you played for uh, – Actually, you played for Tark's son, George. Yes, I played for Coach uh, George Tarkanian and stuff. So that's a funny story. So, like, how I even got to CCSN, you know, um, I didn't have no GED. I had nothing going for me. You know what I'm saying? So I played at Rucker Park, had a great game. And uh-huh. Coach, you know, he heard about me. He came in New York to sign me. I signed on the spot, too. You know what I mean? And um, But, um. Let me run it back a little bit. So, like I said, I played at Rucker Park, and he came. I think I forgot what I did, but I did something good. I think I must have had a big, a big ass game or something like that. But for him to come to Vegas to sign me, so he came, took me, and my dad out to dinner. They offered me a scholarship. I seen a national letter of intent, and boy, I signed it, man. And this was like a year, or two years before the school even started. So, um, wow. like, how I ended up getting to Vegas though was was crazy. Because um, what I did was I played with Gauchos in the AAU tournament. And so, like, I had to help them win the regionals so we can go to the nationals and stuff. So, you know what I mean? Like, so the nationals was in Vegas. And so I did that. We um, I played with the Gauchos. I had an amazing tournament. And, um, and so they, they, you know, flew me to Vegas and everything. And, like, you know, we did really good in Vegas, but I didn't leave and stuff, you know. But I still didn't have nowhere to stay. So my girlfriend at the time, her mother's cousin was a boxer named Johnny McClain. And Johnny McClain at that time was married to Muhammad Ali's daughter, Layla Ali. So, wow. yeah. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? They helped me get situated in Vegas and stuff. You know what I mean? Um, actually, I don't even know. I guess the statute of limitations is passed, but you know, what I mean, I had, I had a house and stuff. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That I was taken care of. You know what I mean? And um, it was cool. They helped me get my GED and everything. So I'm trying out. I'm I'm practicing with the team. I didn't at first. It was cool, but then around like the second month from there, because the basketball team didn't start yet. So mind you, I was there for some for a couple a while before the school even started. It was a brand new basketball program. Gotcha. And so um, I started, like, not liking it. I was unmotivated in workouts and stuff. And, you know, coaches was, like, disappointed in me and was, like, they don't know why they brought me out here and stuff because I just wasn't the player they thought I was. Like, I wasn't even, like, the guy that I was. I wasn't motivated to do anything. I was just, like, whatever. You know, guys that not better than me, you know, you know, you know, getting the best of me and stuff. And, um, you know, Coach Tark. Charkini and said, it was like, yeah, Daniel, so, you know, it was a pleasure having you, but we're not going to bring you back next year for the team and stuff, man. You know, we're not, we, you're not the player that I thought you was, you know, basically saying like, yo, you trash, yo, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so, that's crazy. And so like, you know, understandable, you know what I mean? So I was just like, all right, cool. And um, he was like, well, we got one week left and then, you know, go on your way. I'll help you out with school if you need to, but you know, sorry, it's not going to work out. Right. So, what happened was <laughs> the, the last, that last week of school, I dominated. I turned it up, and I dominated everybody. I went in there that, that Monday, and I was like, yo, I got six days of workouts. I'm, I'm going to just do my best and stuff. I was like, all right, I'm going to play for real now. I told Coach, I was like, there's no bullshit in this week, Coach. You know what I'm saying? I'm here. And he looked at me like I was crazy. 
So when we started going to five on fives, and then I just dominated, dunking on all my teammates. Like it was nothing nobody could do with me. And then um like and I did it again. And then I did it again. And then I did it again. And then um I told coach, was like, hey, I invited Carl, hey coach, I'm playing in this barbershop league. So the barbershop league is a big league in Vegas. Uh-huh. And um and so he's like, right, I'll come see you play and stuff. So he came to see me play. He came to see me play three uh, three times. First game, 61, second game, uh, 48, third game, 59. He was like, there's no way that you're not going to see CSN next year. You know what I'm saying? He was like, I see you. And I was like, all right, coach, you know what I mean? I'm going to work out this summer. You know what I mean? I see you there. You know what I mean? I see you there. And so, you know, worked out this summer. You know what I mean? Went to Rucker Park again. I was playing with cash money. We won the championship that year. I had a great summer. I went to go train in Greece with the Olympiacos. You know what I mean? Thanks to Ron and his, you know, Greek connections. So I trained the whole summer in Greece. I was out there with the pros. Man, I came back ready to go. And coach was like, all right, man, I can't see you. I can't wait to see you. They got my ticket. They like, you coming back, right? You, you, um, cause I disappeared. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there Monday. You know what I mean? And um they was like, all right, well, see you Monday. <laughs> and so, uh-huh. and so on Monday morning, right? I was enrolling in Marshalltown Community College in Marshalltown, Iowa, bro. Wow. <laughs> I didn't even bother going to Vegas. You know what I'm saying? That was just like, wow. you know, that's just what I did. One of my friends, well, I'm not going to consider him a friend or associate that I know. This is from a story of projects and um, name, is, um, uh-huh. name is Deshaun and stuff. And um, he kind of convinced me to go to Marshalltown. And so, cause we grew up playing on the same team together too. And he's, you know, he's at Marshalltown Community College. He's a sophomore. I'm a freshman there. And, um, and so, but when I got there, he started acting real funny. You know what I'm saying? He started mm-hmm. acting real funny. And I'm like, yo, this is not, this is not what I thought it was. You know what I'm saying? And, and so, and so, um, then I had a, a beef with somebody at my position. Um, his name is, I would never forget his name. His name is Leo Lightborn. I think he's from the Bahamas or something like that. And so me, me and him, me and Leo was going at it in practice, but I knew I was better than him. I was better than him because I was busting, I was busting ass. Every day in practice, you know what I mean? He was good, though. You know, he could shoot, he could right, shoot, and right. stuff like that. So, like, I had to make sure I was on my P's and Q's because, you know, he's a sophomore, so they always pulling this whole veteran thing and stuff. They try to treat it like, you know, how NBA players treat rookies and stuff. Yo, get this and get that. I'm like, hold on. I'm just as good as not better than you. I ain't getting a damn thing. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> I'm not getting a damn thing. That's not, what, that's not what I signed up here for and stuff. And so, like, the Marshalltown thing, it didn't last because, you know, I found somebody rummaging through my stuff. And I caught him red-handed, and he was like, yeah, what you going to do about it? You know what I mean? Some things got involved, something involving a knife, and me, you know, almost, you know, trying to hurt this kid. And so the coach at that time was like, yo, Daniel, yo, cops is looking for you, yo. You know what I'm saying? You got to get out of here. Yo. So I'm like, damn, this coach about to turn me in, yo. Like, damn. Yo, he drives me to Des Moines, Iowa, man. Put me on a Greyhound bus. Where you want to go, just get out of here and don't come back. Crazy. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And um, and so I go to Indiana and I remember the summer before I went to um like right before I went to um before I went to Iowa, um I met somebody, right? Me and my girl, we break up at um we break up. So I met somebody in Indiana and her name is um Kima. We met 
and it, I'm it, I'm bringing her in the story because she she actually has a big part a little part in it. So, you know, I, I met her and we was friends. We was just talking for a while, and then I told her the situation what happened. <laughs> then she's like, "Yeah, you come to Indiana, you know, you come stay with me and stuff." So, my is my whole family is in Indiana okay. at the time. They didn't know I got kicked out of school. I was in Indiana for a month, and everybody was wondering where I was at. Nobody can contact me, bro. <laughs> and so, um. <laughs> Yo, I'm at this girl crib, y'all. <laughs> Yo, Ron, I'm at this girl crib. Like, what's good? He so he was like, yeah, yeah, just come to the house. I come to the house and stuff. And uh, we was talking. He was like, Yo, you got to get your shit together, man. You fucking up and stuff. And I was just like, Yeah, my bad. So I called my teammate at, at Las Vegas. His name is Daniel Rice. And I'm like, Yo, D Rice, yo, listen, can you ask Coach? You know what I'm saying? Like, can I come back to the school? And D Rice like, All right, cool, I'll do it. And um, at first I'm like, damn, I think D Rice bullshitting, yo, because he didn't get right back to me. But then, like, you know, he called me and was like, yo, coach, want you to come back or whatever. And I was like, all right, don't even worry about it. I'll pay my way. I'll be there. So I told Ron, like, Ron, you flight to Vegas. They want me to go back to school and stuff. And so um, so I get to the school. My GED grades didn't come in, but I only took half of the GED. I took the the English, the social studies, and the science. I didn't take the math okay. portion and the reading portion yet or whatever. Um, so when I get to Vegas, I was able to take those parts of the GED and stuff. And it was a blessing that my um, first GED, the first half of the GED that I took was able to transfer over or else I would have to take the test all over again. So once those transferred over, and I think because I had such a high score and stuff on my GED at that time, you know what I mean? I think the score was what, 2,400 back then? Um, I forgot what the GED score was. But like I scored like damn near like I could have took an SAT and passed it level type of thing. Okay. I, mean, I was really high on it. Gotcha. And stuff. I think that you had to average to get your GED. You got to average um a five hundred and ten, but you can't get no lower than a four ninety on each test. So even if you have a five hundred and thirty average or a test, but one of them scores is like a four eighty nine, you'd fail. You know what I'm saying? So like all my scores was in the seven eight hundreds gotcha. though. So I was able to. You know what I mean? Buckling and passing. And then when I got eligible, like they told me, I got happy. But it was like, yo, you got to sit out the first semester, bro. I'm like, all right. You know what I mean? So that whole first semester, I'm sitting out. I'm dominating in practice. I'm messing up the the, the practice scheme. Coach kept telling me, yo, you got us. You can't do this. I'm like, yo, coach, how are we going to get better as a team if they, if, if we if you meet a player like me in a game or something like that and he's, mess, he's mucking it up? You got to work through that, right? What happened to the counters and stuff? But it wasn't working. Like they brought, they had all these dudes. They had a dude from Africa come in. All this dude played like the baby Giannis. He's like a six foot seven Giannis, but he was scared uh-huh. of me. He was physically, literally scared of me every time. And I had to motivate myself to to get better in practice because there was not a time in practice where I go up five on five and the team that they stop me or they can guard me. Like I knew going into practice every day. I was going to have it my way. You know what I'm saying? And I remember also they started bringing in, they was bringing in, oh man, I can't believe I'm, I skipped this step. So, all right, cool. Let me run back real quick. So they was bringing in big men. They bring in a big man that played D1 at Colorado named Jason Carter. Sent him back home. He's from Vegas. Uh-huh. Sent him back. You know what I mean? Because they wanted, they didn't want me starting at center at 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, they needed height. But none of them was better than me. They brought in a McDonald's All-American kid from Hawaii. He was like he was like a top ten player too. He's a McDonald's All American named Julian Sinsley. I don't, I don't wow. know if you remember the name. 
I actually don't, but don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna look him up. So <laughs> trust and believe. So that. Julian Sinsley was a McDonald's All American, one of the best players in the country since his ass packing. Now he was coming into the gym when we got our junior college practice gear on. He's coming into the gym with his McDonald's All American shit on. I'm as real disrespectful. So I was like, all right, you know what I'm saying? I used to have, if I was jealous of somebody playing basketball, it was definitely him because he had all the fanfare. He had accolades and stuff, and he was nowhere better than me. And I'm like, I'm not an All-American, and this guy, like, I'm doing whatever I want to him in practice. I'm giving him everything, and there's nothing he can do. He's an All-American. That's the best. That's the best play, one of the best players in the United States. Hell no. You know what I'm saying? So, like, they kept bringing big men in, bring, bringing big men in, and I'm sending them back home. You know what I'm saying? Only one, he just left on his own. I don't know why he left. But the only one that gave me some competition that made me actually had I got to work hard. He played – he's a really good defensive big man. His name is, like, Joplin Johnson or something like that. And um, he was tough. I think uh-huh. he's from Chicago. You know what I mean? I wanted the tough. I would say that's the toughest post play I went up against. You know what I mean? And they were just sending all these other big men – you know what I mean? They had another big man named Mackenzie Clark. He was supposed to start 6'10". Nope. Then you're starting. You know what I'm saying? After I, I you know what I mean, I played, um, I didn't play the first semester, but I'm destroying these dudes in practice. Like, playing with, like, club and lane. I was motivated by myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, just, just training, right? So my training method was crazy. And my boy, my roommate, Nick Porter, who played at Creighton with Cal, um, with, um, Cal Corver. He played at Creighton with Cal Corver. His name is Nick Porter. And my, my other college mm-hmm. roommate, his name is De Niro Rice. That you can go back and ask them. I will know that you reach out to them, right? How I used to learn at a basketball game was I used to use – I used to play NBA 2K, bro. So I'm playing NBA 2K. They're doing this jab step move, jab step to the middle, spin baseline off glass. I'm doing it in the game. And then D-Rex like, yo, that's that 2K. That's that 2K move. I'm like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I'm like, yo, I'm gonna do this in practice tomorrow. That I'm showing D to move on the Dreamcast. This Dreamcast was popping. You know what I mean? I'm showing it to him on the Dreamcast. Yeah. I'm doing all video game moves in game. You know what I'm saying? That's how I learned how to play basketball because I didn't train with my brother. I didn't train with my father. I learned by watching Hakeem Olajuwon tapes. You know what I'm saying? So, you know what I mean? So that's how my yeah. footwork was, was the way it was and stuff. So, you know, CCSN. Yo, it was crazy, man. I had some, I had some really good games too. I got to go up against some really good players, you know. And I remember, you know, also going up to UNLV. They were trying to be a farm system for UNLV. We go up to UNLV and beat their players in open gym. You know, they had a guy named J.K. Edwards, Lou Edmondson. Yeah, yeah, Lou Edmondson that played in the league all them years. Him, he was there at the time. Marcus Banks, Marcus Banks. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, we was yeah, beating yeah. I remember them. Marcus Banks. We was beating them in open gym. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it was fun. And I used to do Lou Edmondson dirty. You know what I'm saying? So, like, when it came down to the season, you know what I mean? The season was good. You know, I play, I did well, you know. Um, I was like 15 and 8 my freshman year and stuff. It was fun. The, the, the um, conference was tough. It was called the Scenic West Athletic Conference. And, you know what I mean? They had the teams like Southern Idaho division um you know junior college power dixie state another junior college power they actually was a defending champions my freshman year and um they had okay. um they had some pretty good team you know um they had division one school now dixie this is first year 
actually being a Division One. They're actually really good at, as of right now. They're four and six for Division One. First year Division One, they're pretty good. So they call the Dixie State Trailblazers and stuff. So um, they had Salt Lake City Community College. They had a school called Snow College. You know, um, Utah Valley State. So I played against Ronnie Price um, at Utah Valley State when Utah Valley State was a junior college, but they ended up going D1 a year later. So I got to play against Ronnie Price and okay. stuff. Um, in the College of Southern Idaho, I got to play against Sonny Abraham and um, Yakuba Duwara. If you remember those names, Yakuba played in the NBA for for a few years. I want to say he got like five or six years in the NBA. Sonny Abraham. Yeah, Sonny yeah, Abraham. Yeah. He played He was. He played at Oak Hill Academy with Carmelo. And he came out of high school. He was the number one ranked big man in the nation. You know, he was supposed to go to Florida State, but I don't know what happened. But he ended up at Southern Idaho. So he's the best. They got him as the best, you know, player in the country in junior college. They ranked him number one. So I go up against Sonny Abraham two games in junior college. The first game I had um, 24.7 rebounds. I shot 10 for 12 on him. You know what I mean? And then the second game, I had 19 and 11 on him. Mind you, I'm 6'3", 6'4", in college. He's 6'10", 6'11". You know? And I was getting him... I was just busting his ass. Yukuba, I was busting Yukuba ass, too. You know what I'm saying? Give everybody buckets. It was just weird. And my logic logic was because if I can give my brother buckets, and he's at his best defensively at this time, this is the young meta, you know what I mean? I feel like I'm scoring anybody and nobody could guard me. (laughs) You know what I mean? So... Yeah, yeah, that's so that's fact. how I carried that's it and stuff. Fact. And then you know, during the after that year, you know, what I mean, the College of Southern, I mean, the College of Southern Nevada, they um, the team, you know, they, they took the funding away, so there was no more team. So I was just like, I didn't know what to do. So the we knew the team was over and stuff. So the last game we played against Southern Idaho at Southern Idaho's place, right? So I was like, yo, I told the coach from Southern Idaho, mm-hmm. I was like, yo, I'm gonna bust your ass tonight. I'm talking cash trash, bro. I'm like, yo, there's nothing they could do with me or whatever, you know? And then during the game, I'm recruiting I'm recruiting myself to Southern Idaho. I was like, yo, I want to come to your school. Y'all know the situation? Yo, you, do y'all want me to come play with y'all? And, like, this, I don't know what the hell. Like, because I had 19 and 11, but I was hitting threes and stuff, getting to the basket and one. And they was just looking like, yo, we want this dude. They was telling me, the coaches was telling me mid-game, was like, yo, come to the school. We have an offer for you. And then, so, they reached out to me. And I was like, nah, I ain't coming to the school now, right? <laughs> so, the only reason why I ended up, I was like, yo, I want to come to the school, but I want to come on a visit. So, I go on a visit to the College of Southern Idaho. And um, I go on a visit to the College of Southern Idaho. But I didn't want to go because I was like, you know, what about the female? What about the women's team? What about take the best player from the women's team? You know, let her, let her let her come up here with me and stuff. I mean, that's the only way y'all gonna get me. You know what I'm saying? And so they did. They took my, they took her. Her name is uh, Brandy Moore, and um, they took her. And that was the only way I went. I was like, they got to take Brandy and stuff. You know, I'm okay. a big proponent of of women's basketball. You hear me talk about it all the time, K Dot. You know what I'm saying? It's been like that. It's been like that since then. Absolutely. You know. So I get to college Southern Idaho. Finally, getting my education right and stuff. I um um went to summer school. You know what I'm saying? And I was a 3.8 student, man. I did my thing, man. First time ever. You know what I'm saying? 3.8. Like, That's really? I, put, I applied myself, and I grinded it, man. And it was it was just so dope. And um, and so um, 
when when it was time to go when it was time to go to school, I mean, go to school and then I'm working out. Then they bring in all these players. I mean, they bring in the best of the best. You know what I'm saying? Of all these all Americans, and I'm just like, yo, this is crazy. And coach was like, well, yo, we know what you did. They brought in a new coach. His name is Gib Arnold. So Gib Arnold, he was the coach at Pepperdine. Now he's a Boston. He works for the Boston Celtics. I think he's a scout with Boston now. And he was like, yo, Dan, you know, we know what you did. New coach. So, you know, this is just how it's going to be. Um, You know, everybody's not going to play much. Everybody's going to play like 20 minutes. I'm like, listen, coach, I'm a sophomore. And like, you know what I mean? I got I to make it happen and stuff. And I didn't want to leave Southern Idaho because I really wanted to play up there. But I had to, man, because I knew like the minutes wasn't going to be there and stuff. You know what I'm saying? And so it was just like, you know, we parted ways. But the crazy thing about it was like I ended up getting a college scholarship offer. Just by the workouts, bro. You know what I mean? Lamar University offered me a scholarship. Hold yeah. on. Hold on. And this is where I want to get into what I call yeah. ill hoop stories. Because I heard uh-huh. about this story. And if you're comfortable with talking about it, then we can talk about it. If not, we could do another one. But like when you told me this, I was like, yo, this is crazy. So so tell us how how the Lamar um scholarship came about and how you, you know, with your thought process and how you was um thinking about going to Lamar and then, you know, decided that it wasn't gonna be a good uh it, it wasn't gonna be right. good for you to, to go. All to right, Lamar. so I get tell the college scholarship off from, from Lamar University. Mind you, Lamar University, they never seen me play in person. They only see me playing those workouts because I was doing really good in those workouts and stuff. And they offered me a scholarship. You know what I mean? Billy Tubbs was the coach, legendary coach, Billy Tubbs. So I go down to mm-hmm. Lamar for a visit. And um, the, the visit was good. I played against the players. I dominated the players and stuff. All the players at my position, I dominated. And this was the time where I had, I, I had no filter. So I'm talking crazy to these players and i'm like yo i'm coming to take your spot yo i'm coming to take your spot yo it's going crazy and stuff and so um they took me like you know we're going to hang out man you know we're going to hang out no hard feelings and stuff you know what i mean it's just basketball or whatever so they're like all right we're going to take you out they took me out but you know what i mean they took me to this other place and um it was it was called a city called jasper texas and i'm like what the hell and then like I'm like, okay. Then it dawned on me. I was like, oh, snap. I know this place. I know the name. This is where the dude, you know, that got dragged at. And um, Mr. Bird. Yeah. And that's where he, he got dragged to his death there by, you know, some white supremacists and stuff like that. So I get out and I'm just like taking it all in. Just like, damn, man, this is crazy. I'm actually here. I heard about it. I even seen a movie about it. I read about it. What happened to him when they dragged him? And his body parts coming off, his limbs and stuff like that. So I'm reading about it. I'm just looking like, damn, like it was just crazy, right? And then all of a sudden, they just drove. They drove off and left me there. And it's dark. Yeah. What? They drove off and left me there, and it was dark. And then I get back, and the coaches was like, you know, upset or whatever. And I was just like, um, they wanted me to still sign. And I told them I think about it. You know what I'm saying? And then I end up not signing. You know what I mean? I end up just, you know, playing at Westchester. I was like, yo, you know what? That's crazy. I had a pretty good season, and then I'm one of the best big men in the country. And um, you know what? I'm going to just wait till after the season to sign and stuff. And that was that. 
you know. So yeah, that's what happened. Um, and that was before actually my sophomore year of basketball even started, you know. And um, yeah, that was crazy, bro. Man, so of course, you know, you then go, um, you play for Westchester Community College, and then, you know, um, tell us a little bit more, uh, you know, evolving into your pro career, um, because you you got some, you know, you got some interesting, uh, you had an interesting journey, you know, into your pros, because you even, you know, you even became a, a pro scout player for the Indiana Fever. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, it's so many ill stories, like, with this moment, like, you know, with what you got going on here, and you be like, you got the segments, like, it's so many dope stories. It's like, I could just, I could just go off and just be like, hey, I got this story, I got that story and stuff. So a couple of ill stories is like, you know, even when I was at Westchester, you know what I'm saying? So when I was at Westchester, um, the Westchester starts their season on after Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? I don't know why this coach did that, but that was mm-hmm. his thing. Everybody else already, already in season, we here playing our first game. You know what I'm saying? On, um, <laughs> on like November 28th, bro. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, this is right, crazy, right. man. But we was in super shape, though. You know what I mean? So I remember our first game was um in the city of Wyoming, Casper, Wyoming, and um played against a school called Colby Community College. It was a cool story because I got to go up against Justin Williams. He was a big man. He played in the NBA for a second. He's funny because he ended up going to Sacramento and playing with Ron and stuff. Me and him went at it. Me and, okay. me and him went at it. And I had like 25 points and 19 rebounds against him and stuff. So it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool, Um, you know, you know, going up against him and stuff like that. Um, And, and I remember I, w- I was – um, we was talking about it when he got to the league and stuff. You know what I mean? We was, we was talking about it with Ron. I was like, yeah, Ron, you know. That's Justin. He introduced me to him. I was like, yeah, Ron, I bust his ass in college just like that. <laughs> I was like, I bust his ass in college. So they had Ron. They had, it was me. It was Justin Williams, Ron, and Ronnie Price all in the same area together eating. And Ronnie Price and Ronnie Price was like, "Yo, uh-huh. you know what? I don't, I, I, I don't, I, I would believe him too because he said he bust our ass in college and stuff." You know what I'm saying? So it was, it was funny having you know those stories with him and, and me and, and with Justin and stuff. It was cool watching him, you know, play in the league like that. And then like another, uh, another dope story was like you know just me basically like hanging when Ron was um you know playing with the Pacers and stuff and. And just being able to hang physically uh-huh. with his teammates and stuff. It was like a lot of players I got the best of. You know what I mean? I could say, you know, right here, right now, that I dunked on over half that roster. You know what I'm saying? Like when we was working out Ooh. and stuff, like, you know, and um it was fun. Like, yeah, Ron got it too. You know what I'm saying? He caught one. Uh James Jones caught one. They had these other guys that was at the end of the bench and stuff. Um, guy named John Edwards, he was seven feet, big man from Kent State undrafted, wasn't even about to get out of basketball, mm-hmm. go get a job, and then go get a, a non-guaranteed contract for the Pacers and end up playing some years in the NBA. And I was dunking on him routinely. He loved playing against me, though, because I made him stronger and stuff. It was weird. Yeah, he loved playing against me. And this was this is crazy because I'm 6'3", 6'4". I'm backing him down, just like simple backup posts, and then I'm turning and dunking on him. That's why when I be telling people, like, hey, you know what I mean? I was like Zion, but without the without like 10 or maybe like nine inches less on the verticals because, you know, how athletic he is. You know what I mean? Like, I meant that because that's just how it was. You know right. what I'm saying? And so, like, it was actually really cool hanging, you know, with NBA players, like, playing on that level and stuff like that. You know, like, the game so fast, but it was just weird. I was able to keep up and stuff. And I'm like, like, I really might have a shot in this thing if I was, you know, I was if I was taller and stuff, but 
you know, um, I was really stubborn on working on guard skills and stuff. And um, I just preferred to work on my own. You know what I mean? Um, so it was it, it was it was it was crazy. It was it was fun. Um, another, you know, ill story was playing in NBA Summer League. You know, I was in the same draft class with uh, Kevin Durant and, and Greg and Greg Oden and stuff. You know, it, it was it was actually pretty fun, bro. You know, just being in the atmosphere. Wow. You know what I mean? Playing in NBA Summer League, like, wow, I got here. And um, it was a it was it was fun because of of um, you know, just being in the atmosphere. But it was still a bad experience because the coaches they didn't want me there. So they had Coach Reggie Theus at the time. And I guess, um, uh-huh. see, I was told that I make I'm on this team because I worked my ass off. Because I remember I was helping the Sacramento Kings with their pre dress, like I was an extra body in there. You know what I'm saying? But so I'm hanging. Okay. Yo, like me and Big Baby had a freaking battle. Me and Big Baby Davis, he coming in. We me and him battled. You know what I'm saying? And so, but then I'm in the gym also myself, six seven in the morning. You know what I mean with the with the coaches, and they asked me to play. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I don't know what the hell was going on. And um, I don't know. Maybe Ron pulled some strings or whatever to get me on that team, which I didn't want because I asked them. I was like, hey, is this Ron doing? This is what y'all want me to do. And they, they said that's what, that's what they wanted me to do. Then um, I was like, I'm with it. You know what I'm saying? I, was, I wouldn't have been there. You know what I mean? And I thought I did good. I was practicing. Yeah. I was practicing I really hard in practice. You know, I was going hard, and you know what I mean? And I ain't really get that much time in the games and stuff like that. But the experience was fun. So once I realized how the coaches were, how to, once I realized how the coaches were and they were acting really funny, you know what I'm saying? I was just like, all right, whatever. I didn't care anymore. So I just started, you know, getting that NBA, uh, you know, summer league groupie love. You know what I'm saying? Mind you, I'm big in Vegas mm-hmm. already as it is. So I was having fun. I was just like, all right, cool. Got my little per diem. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, we go from there. It is what it is. I ain't tripping. Yeah. So I, I was I was, I was, I was, was having fun. You know what I mean? That was it. I would go to practice, go to the game, do my job, and then I'm going, I'm going out. I'm going to have fun in my hotel room. That's exactly what I did. I was, it was wild. <laughs> you know, it was, it was, it was wild. You know what I mean? So, I mean, that's, that's just what it is and stuff. So, you know, after that, I just like, you know, was just chilling for a little bit. And um, ended up going, you know, started my pro career, like, you know, right after that, pretty much. Nice, nice. And, you know, going into your pro career, you know, you you played for uh, the Premier Basketball League. Um, that's where uh, you had a couple stints um, with a couple different teams. And that's also where you met my other brother and our mm-hmm. brother, Zach Ramey, um, playing for Rockford, um, you know, and it, it's, you know, it's crazy how you know how everything is aligned and how things work because man like meeting you through zach and then talking about your pro careers like it's it's, it was just fun to listen you know to um but you know i i just need one more story and i need to know how you got to be that that pro scout player for the Indiana Fever because that was the year they won the Yeah, yeah. Right? Then we got to talk about the whole um the other pro career with Zach and stuff too because I want to bring something up that you missed out. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Let's let's so, get into it. Let's oh, get I got time. We got time. We got time. We got time. Um, so with um <laughs> the Fever, you know, I was just going there with my friends playing with the females and stuff, and um, you know, it was just it was just okay. really fun just being there playing basketball, and then you know you getting that run on that real NBA size court. 
So you you in a gym where nobody yes. else can get. You're getting that type of rep. And then you're able to use the gym, use the weight room and stuff. So I was just taking advantage of all of it. You know what I mean? So um, once they decided to keep me on, you know what I mean? Like, it was it was just fun. They liked the way I play. I brought the energy. I brought I was intense, bro. But I mean, I'm bowling these women over, you know? Like, I'm intense as hell because I'm like, it's basketball. You know what I mean? I'm not going in there. This ain't fun. These women are pros and stuff. And maybe I can get maybe I can get something mm-hmm. out of it. You know what I mean? So I went in there intense. I remember um the first time I checked in and it was like, all right, then, you know, you got uh, Elena Larkins or whatever. Oh, Elena Larkins, guard you. First move I did to her, I knocked her ass on the ground. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking at them like, OK, you know. I'm not bullying you or nothing like that, but it's going to be intense. You know what I mean? Then that set the tone for the practices and stuff all the time. And they liked when I came to practice and stuff. So they was like, you know, always like, you know, making sure I was there. And so like, we want Daniel to come back all the time. So that was pretty, that was pretty fun and stuff. That was pretty fun. You know, I'm working with the females and, you know, just know that they won a championship. You know, that was really special and stuff, you know, so I, I felt, I felt really good about that. That's what's up. So, so tell us about tell us about you and Zach, right quick, because this is. <laughs> I <rubbed my> so <laughs> the crazy thing was like, um, my pro career started basically like, um, basically like two thousand and six. It was way before I even met Zach. You know what I'm saying? So like my like after okay. you know my pro career really started before like my NBA summer league stuff. So the Zach, everything with Zach that came after, you know NBA summer league. So before that though. You know, um, I played in Germany, and I played in, I played in the ABA first. I'm sorry, I played in the ABA first, and then I ended up, you know, playing in Germany and stuff. You know what? I'm tripping. I'm sorry. I played in um Germany first because I left Westchester to go play in Germany. I don't know why that got my mind just now. So I left I left Westchester. You know, what I mean, my 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 sophomore year of college. You know, what I'm saying like I had a great great college year. But I left in the second semester. I didn't want. I didn't want to play. I was just like college ain't for me. So I go to Germany and play, and stuff like that. So I, I like my. I was out there for five days, right? So like I moved. I, I moved to Germany. I'm practicing with the team for five days in our first game. First game, I had 37 and 31, and stuff like it was just crazy. I don't know how I grabbed all them rebounds, but I did. So I played in Germany. I had a great year. I had a great. I had a great time in Germany. You know what I mean? Like. Like the highest numbers of my pro career and stuff, you know what I mean? I was like twenty-seven and fourteen a game in Germany, and then um I go to the ABA, and then at, you know ABA was just so easy, bro. You heard it was just it was just um it was just so easy playing in the ABA, um like you know wow. it was good. I had some great games. Like uh, I had my like my career high fifty-three points and stuff. My career high. And rebounds, you would think that 31 rebounds is my career high. My career high in rebounds was like 38, 39 boards or something like that one game. Crazy. <laughs> so I like Ooh. to rebound. So that's what I love to do. I love to rebound and stuff. I can I can rebound with the best of them and stuff. So And, and plus the ABA just moves so fast. So you're going to get those boards too. And so that's mm-hmm. why the ABA is inflated. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like weird because the stats is inflated because the way the speed of the game is and stuff. Then I, you know, what I mean, I'm like, damn, like this is okay. all it's gonna get. Then the PBL came. I go to Rockford. You know, what I mean, they was looking for players a lot. Told them I was six seven. You know, what I mean, power forward and stuff. I, I sent them my um, my my <laughs> scout, my um, my, my stats, my college stats, and it added up. Add somebody like that. You know what I'm saying? And then 
roll numbers, you know, add it up. Yeah, yeah. Like that. So, you know, like when I was playing in the ABA, when I was putting up numbers, you know what I mean? Like went up against Armin Gilliam, gave him 27. You know, rest in peace of the great Armin Gilliam, you know, went, 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 at, went at him and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, my numbers was there. So it wasn't like, you know, oh, he is 6'7". I get there, I'm out of shape, first of all. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't keep up with practice and stuff. And, you know, I, I got to meet Zach. And Zach, you know, he's doing his thing and stuff. And, and um, you know what I mean? But everybody was mad because I'm practicing out of shape. Can't do nothing, right? So I remember, um, sure, I think me and Zach was on the verge of getting cut. We go, we played against the N1 All-Stars. Yeah, all and one guys there, right? So, um, oh, uh-huh. and that's how I figured out that dude that's in clubhouse with us named Scooter Violator. And I was like, yeah, I played against them. Now, yeah. this was all on him. So, coach was like, I, uh, you know, got these last couple of minutes left. You know what I mean? Basically, with me and Zach, got these last couple of minutes left. You know what I mean? We don't act, if you don't play, whatever, you're probably going to end up getting cut <laughs> pretty much. So me and Zach, you know, turned up. Zach did his thing on yeah. the defensive end and looking for me with the ball. So I get the ball and um, I got four back, two back, two back, two back, and ones, and like a min, a span of like eighty six seconds. It was like the craziest sequence ever. It was in a packed house and stuff, and like you know what I mean. Brought us back. We won the game, and then um, you know, what I mean, they end up keeping me. For the season and stuff like that. And then my first game in Rockford in the PBI had like 20 points and 12 rebounds. Sometimes it was on – like that year was up and down. It was basically based on like, you know, if I'm getting a ball or uh-huh. not and stuff like that. Because it was weird. Like there was never a season in my professional career, college career, where I shot under 50 – my lowest was 53%. You know what I'm saying? So I'm very efficient uh-huh. around okay. the basket and stuff like that, you know. So, you know, like it was weird – I get in, I get my points, and then I'm out. So that Rockford year, it was cool. We got to travel. We got paid a lot of money and stuff. And um, so, you know, but I wasn't really playing the minutes. I thought I was, I was supposed to be playing or whatever. And, um, you know, I'm coming off the bench. I'm averaging, like, what, 14 and 8 off the bench, and I'm playing less than 20 minutes a game. You know what I'm saying? So I was just like, damn, that's crazy. You know I me, mean? I had big games. All my biggest games came off the bench. Like the first game, 20 and 12 off the bench. I had a game where one one day, one sat the Saturday, I had 20 and 9 off the bench. And then turn around the next day off the bench, 30 and 16 off the bench. Another game, I had 14 and 16 off the bench. You know, 21 and 21 and 9 off the bench and stuff like that. Like it was it was just weird. You know what I'm saying? So um, you know, Rockford was cool, but it didn't end the way that it's supposed to end or whatever, you know, it was pretty much like, I was really like mm-hmm. kind of upset that Zach got cut. Cause that ended up getting cut for, I don't know what reason, you know what I'm saying? He just packing his bags. He was gone. And I was like, what the hell? That was crazy. Cause you know, me and Zach, you know, at first it was like kind of tough because he didn't know how I play. I didn't know how he played. So I was always kind of mad at Zach, yo. And I was just like, yo, you know, you got past the ball or something like that. You know what I'm saying? And, um, but once we, we connected, I remember um, I was into watching, you know, Family Guy, and they put me on to mad DVDs of Family Guy. But then they ended up intro- – Zach introduced me to The Wire, actually. Yeah. He introduced me to The Wire. And oh. so I was, like, able to start – I started watching The Wire because Zach, man. And that's how we bonded over movies and stuff and like that. And I remember there was a time where the movie the, – um, not the movie, I'm sorry. The Wire would come out the day before it actually comes out, and we was watching it and stuff. 
And, you know, and it was like kind of sad that we lost touch, though. That was 2008. We lost touch. And then we get into it, into this podcast thing uh-huh. in 2020. You know what I'm saying? That we finally catch up and, you know, it's like we never left. And so I'm really grateful to, you know, to Zach for, you know, always just being like mad cool and stuff like that. He was, it was funny because Zach, he dressed mad mature. You know what I'm saying? So back then, it's like 12 years ago, he got that Chicago style, yo, with the hats and stuff like that. Because Zach is just a different dude, man. Yeah. But, like, I wish that we would have played, you know, more basketball together. Oh, we, I told him the other day, so I was like, man, I wish y'all would have seen me, you know I me mean, at my best when I was in, like, 100% shape, man. Like, before these back injuries, you know, got to me. I wish that you would have played with me. I was like, I don't know who your best big man was, but every other person I played ball with, We'll always say, yo, Daniel Artes is the best big man I ever played with, yo. And it's like, it's crazy to have that and stuff like that. And that's, and that's the respect that I wanted. You know what I'm saying? Even when I was playing street ball at Rucker, I just always wanted to be the best something, the strongest something and whatever. So, you know what I mean? So, yeah, the pro career thing, it, ended, it didn't end the way I wanted it to end. You know what I mean? It started and then it just it just ended. And then I got back to the PBL. Then I was going back and forth between the PBL in the ABA, then it just ended in the ABA. And I just got fed up with it. You know what I mean? I posted – Um, I don't think – I think you've seen it. I posted some videos of me playing basketball professionally, and I was like, I still – you know what I mean? I do it or whatever. But that was my last – those were my last ABA game. So my last ABA game, one game I had 26. And then the last – my last game ever, my last professional basketball game, I had 33 points. And I was just like, I'm done. I told the coaches, like, I'm wow. done. I'm not playing. It's over. I'm done. I'm not – you know what I mean? So – I left. I left the game, you know, and in good hands, I guess, and stuff. So, you know, it was fun, man. It was fun. Yeah. So, so even though you left the game, you know, um, and you know, you played at a high level, you segue into another professional gig, and and this is how I met you, and we're we're talking about the podcast and the media world. So, you know, just tell us about. You know how 265 Media came about, and how you were able to, you know, segue into being, you know, the media professional that you are today. Because now, I mean, the the facts don't lie. I mean, you're, I mean, you're pretty big in this in, in this media world. I'm talking about your, I mean, you're ranked in, in Australia and, and and you know in the in the top of the tops of, of the U.S. and and, and overseas. So tell us how 265 Media was birthed and, and how you were able so to get So the podcast started. started first, you know what I mean? So I decided to – I started the podcast because I was watching, um, you know, one of the mainstream media shows and, you know, they do a lot of hot takes. I'm just like, you know what? I'm mm-hmm. not learning nothing from these people that's just on the TV just talking and, and going crazy with hot takes and, and just wild opinions and then just judging players regardless of sport. So I was like, let me create something. So this was like around 2018, and I created a podcast named Artes Sports Talk. <laughs> and and um, okay. only one episode, that's it. <laughs> and then I stopped. I talked about, um, it was funny, because I talked about a report, basically, from one of the NBA insiders that LeBron was actually considering going to Golden State. You know what I'm saying? He was actually considering going to go going going to Golden State. So I talked uh-huh. about that for five minutes. That was it. And then I was like, I ain't doing this no more. <laughs> and then I went back to watching those same shows again. <laughs> and then I got tired of it again. And then I was like, man, I, I got to do this podcast and thing. And then you know, my friends kept telling me to go into podcasting and stuff. So um, I did it. Started the Daniel Artes podcast, and then um, I just you know just kept recording and it. 
it was it was weird because like from you know it was really slow and stuff and then like it just started picking up later on and stuff and then like you know um with um you know the the passing of Kobe and stuff was like it was crazy because then I had to you know podcast about it and um it was just it was just it was just crazy podcasting about that then you know COVID and stuff then I'm like damn I got to create all this content with no basketball. I was able to maintain my podcast and create content with no basketball. So I started dwelling, um, you know, dabbling in non-basketball content, doing like a bunch of shows. Like, you know, um, I partnered with these people that I don't partner with them no more. But, you know, what I'm saying um, it was called Technical Talks and stuff. We was doing that. We were talking to stuff, you know, okay. talking to people outside of basketball. You know, what I mean, it was really good, man. You know, what I mean, it, it, was, it was really good. and It was it was fun. You know, to you know, talking with them, you know, with the whole technical talks section of the podcast and stuff, and um, you know, we did a couple of prison reform shows, just some financial literacy, financial literacy shows, shows about um, you know, women in the workforce, shows about microaggressions and stuff. Um, for those that don't know what microaggressions are, is when um, you at work and somebody be like, you know, you're pretty smart for a black person. You know what I'm saying? Or you pretty for a dark skinned girl or something like that. That's a microaggression and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Anything like yeah. like a backhanded compliment. So we was talking about that. Or like, you know, because microaggressions, I actually went through it too. You know what I mean? I was working at the Four Seasons. And, you know, my voice is my voice, but they wanted me to answer in a more like, you know, they was calling it professional tone, but they wanted me to sound white. That stuff like that be a microaggression and stuff. You know what I mean? So I was doing shows right, like that. Right. And, um, it was pretty good. To hold that content down, yeah, Aerie Spears on the show, you know what I mean, talking his talk, it was funny, you know what I mean. Um, and then um, after that, basketball kicked back in. Then it was just basketball, basketball, basketball. So it was fun. We was just doing the live shows, and then my live shows was dope. Um, my live show started booming when the Last Dance came out because we would go live right after the Last Dance was over and break it down two hours. You know what I'm saying? Like the best. Okay. The best times ever on doing the last dance breakdowns. We was the only ones doing it, killing them too, you know. And um, that was fun talking about the last dance. And I was having like you know different guests every week on it and stuff. You know what I mean? So I had like NBA reporters on there and stuff. You know, so it was that right there kind okay. of put okay. You know what I mean? A podcast on the map doing the live shows, which I need to get back to. You know what I mean? So um, you know then. You know, when basketball, you know, when basketball ended, you know, what I mean, it's just still the same old stuff, just staying creative and stuff. And then I decided to do 265 Media because that I'm like, all these people that I had on my show, we all got podcasts, right? So why not just do something together? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Why we all got to be separate? Why not do something together? So, you know, 265 Media is just the podcast network that I came up with, you know, um, and, um, and right now we at the very very beginning. So everybody that's down with two six five media, you got the stamp. That's basically like you know a handshake agreement. You know what I mean? Until we get the sponsors, and then we'll get the other stuff out the way with the regarding the business stuff like that. You know what I mean? So that's what two sixty five media is right now. We just a crew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just a crew of good ass podcasters, man. You know yeah. And I'm gonna tell you this. I'm going to tell you this, my brother. I am so happy to be a part of 265 yes, Media. Sir. Shout out to the conglomerate. Yes, sir, yes, sir man. Like, know. <laughs> like, what you're doing, man, is, like, really dope. 
interesting, especially with this, you know, um, um, Hoopers Unhailed thing that you got going on right here, man. And um, it's so many of us, you know what I mean? Like, I would love to get you to speak to Adrian Waldron. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you know who he is, but if you're familiar with Rucker Park and Vince Carter and that guy that was shooting three-pointers, yeah, him. I would love to get him oh, yeah. on the show with you on Hoopers Unhailed. All of them. There's so many street ballers, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? We can make the Hoopers Unhailed part happen, for real. You already know. You know? <laughs> Yo, I'm going to tell you something, man. Like, at first, when I when I came up with this idea, it was literally going to be an eight-episode series, but so much love and, and so much, you know, reception is coming from it. You know, I can't just make it an eight-episode series. So you already know, you know, especially with us, you know, partnering up with, with 265, you already know we got some ideas coming down the road. So, it, you know, this, you know, I don't like sometimes like for me, I don't like saying sky's the limit because there's no limit to what we can do. So, you know, we're just going to keep we're going to keep it going, man. We're just going to keep it rocking. It, man. I just appreciate you. You know what I'm saying? Coming on. The, the one last thing that I do want to talk about, I mean, we're coming up on, you know, on the anniversary of um, Kobe Bryant and, and Gigi and the rest of, you know, you know, the people you know, that happened in, in that tragic um, helicopter crash last year. So I just want you to, you know, kind of, you know, talk about that quickly and reflect as well as tell us about, you know, what you're doing as far as, you know, what you're doing for your platform and asking, you know, fans and, you know, people to leave messages and, and create, you know, that, you know, that podcast dialogue so people can just listen and talk about the, the you know, the late. Right, man, like how I found quickly. out about Kobe Bryant, man, passing away. I was just walking with my family on that Sunday. And then I look at my phone, you know, the notification go off. Mm -hmm. And it just said the news. I stopped and I said, what the, what? Are you serious? You know what I mean? Then I didn't say nothing. I started freaking out a little yeah. bit. And then I was just like, yo, this is crazy. So. I go home. I had to like really just like breathe. And then that's when it started hitting me online. You know, everything that happened. Then I'm calling Ron. And then Ron's not answering his phone for hours, man. And I was, it was just like a state of disbelief, man. Like it was just hard to believe. Like it was tough. Like just even thinking about it right now, man. You know what I mean? Just got me feeling a certain way because like yeah. how I met Kobe was crazy. It was, I met him during the, um, during the Western Conference semifinals in 2009 when he went up against Houston when Ron was there and stuff. And um, I met him in Houston and I walked up to him and was like, yo, man, like, what's up? Um, I'm, I'm Meta's, I mean, not Meta, I'm Ron's brother, yo, what's going on? Then he looked at me and was like, yo, your brother's a bad motherfucker, yo. And that was, yo, when he said that, and then I was like, um, I was like, that's crazy. Like, Kobe Bryant said, my brother's dope. You know, you know what I'm saying? So, and then, yo, exactly, right? Like, no way else can say that. Like, you know what I mean? I remember, like, Kobe and Jordan was the only ones that got me excited when I heard him talk glowingly around about, about Ron. Like, when Jordan was like, yo, I wish I would have met him in my prime and stuff like that. I'm like, yo, that's crazy. Jordan said that. That's dope. And then mm -hmm. hearing Kobe say that was the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wasn't the biggest Kobe Bryant fan. You know, I mean, I got caught up with that, how the fans, you know, treat these players all of them years ago. You know how it is, right? So I, I'm glad I got mm -hmm, out of that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I, when I look back, I'm like, absolutely. why the hell I was a part of that type of fan stuff, man? You know? Um, so 
but then like I took a picture with him and then it was it was just dope. Like the first picture I ever took with him. And then when Ron got to the Lakers, I seen him again. Like, you know, game seven of the finals and stuff. That was cause that was like the first like a game I went to was game seven. And um he came up to me and he was like, Yo, yo, your brother's a bad motherfucker. He said it again. And then and and then he was just like he was just freaking out. We hugging and stuff like that, you know, pouring mad champagne on each other and stuff like that was dope. Like in the locker room while these players are celebrating a championship, I'm celebrating a championship with Kobe Bryant, Pau Gasol, Lamar Odom, you know, and them guys and stuff, you know. So that was cool to witness it, to see it, and then like you know, just yeah. seeing Kobe throughout the years, you know, after all of that, you know, what I mean, it was always love, his family and stuff. I got you know seeing his daughter, seeing his wife and stuff like that. And it was funny because like like when his wife walked into the family room, the other wives and girlfriends was like kind of like like uh she thinks she better than us and stuff like that. And I'm like, what that's but man please so I go my first introduction <laughs> that's a, I came right to that. Yo like hey what's up y'all Daniel man I'm Ron's brother man nice to meet you and everything like that got to see the daughters and hung out with the daughters and stuff making them laugh and things and um you know it was just, it was just, it was just crazy. Especially like, you know, um, I was there for a lot of events. So I was at the game with Kobe towards Achilles. It was me and my 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 brother, um, David Lovecam, and we was at the game, and um, we left and mm-hmm, go to mm-hmm. the family room section, and we waited, we waited for Kobe for like two hours, yo, before he came out. And he came out, he crying and stuff, man. He was like really emotional. And he seen me, gave me a head, and I was like, yo, man, you're going to be all right, man. You're going to be mm-hmm. all right. You know what I'm saying? I was like, the work start now. And then he gave me a little the fist up thing and stuff. I was like, the work start now. And that was like really like, was like, I became like really, you know, close to Kobe, like, you know, like in that type of way and stuff. But the crazy thing was like, that was also the game when Steph Curry became Steph Curry. Like all the shots that Steph Curry be hitting in them games that, that we be seeing and stuff, that we fall right. in love with, he started it at that Laker game, because I think he had 54 points or something like that. He went off. So, my like, the whole thing was crazy because mm-hmm. I had my nephew with me, Ron's son. I'm like, yo, Ron, I was like, yo, Lil Ron, listen, we got to go down there and we got to talk to um to Steph and Clay and, like, why they shoot so good. And this is when Lil Ron was young and so he's getting into the game. So we waited for Steph and Clay and we talked and they talked to us. You know what I'm saying? And then, like, you know, after Lil Ron left with his pops and stuff, and me and my boy Dave, we just stayed on the at the dock where the players go, and then we just waited, you know, for Kobe. I just wanted to give him some words of encouragement because I was like, that was crazy. You know what I'm saying? So, like, just like, you know, years, you know, past fast forward and stuff like that. I seen him, the last time I seen him was in D.C. at the Wizards game and stuff, and I, you know, pictures of that. That was pretty cool because he seen me, and then, like, he was there you when know, Kobe walked. He always walked to the far, far end of the wall so he could, you know, stay away from the fans. And then he seen me. I didn't say, like, yo, Kobe, what up? And um, he seen me. He stopped everybody. He came. I was like, yo, this is my pops right here. This is all my friends and stuff like that. So he took a picture with us, a big selfie with me and my friends and everything. I was like, that was, like, so dope. And so um, and also another story before I get into, like, you know, what I'm doing with the podcast to honor Kobe was um, I had my friend Jane, right? So Jane, she come down. She come down to the to the dock with me at the end of the game and stuff, right? So she's waiting in the corner and stuff, like a little scared little girl and stuff. Go, like, who that? Why are you over there staring at me? Come over here, yo. You know? And then and then like I introduced them. And then like um, you know, he was really nice. They put his arm around her, they take a picture and stuff like that. And I was like, that's dope, yo. You know, I'm just making people making people nights. Cause sometimes I would do that. 
I will have extra tickets. And I will invite Laker fans that uh-huh. had never been to – there's a bunch of Laker fans that never been to Laker games before. So I used to have extra tickets. I used to bring them with me and then bring them down there. They go meet Kobe. Kobe was always cool with that, yo. That was dope. Kobe was always call me your Kobe. Listen, I need some Kobe number sixes, yo. You got all these, you know what I'm saying? They don't sell them on my size and stuff. And then you know what I mean? You looking out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that was dope. You know, helping me. You know what I mean? I asked him, you know, he knew I was trying out for the Lakers too. And then like, you know, he wished me luck and anything I need, just ask him and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool to just have that type of, you know, relationship with Kobe Bryant and stuff. So, you know, when he died, it was really sad. You know what I mean? Like it was really tough because of that. You know what I mean? So how I'm honoring Kobe is that on on this podcast that I'm honoring Kobe is that I'm just getting a lot of people to just, you know, hey, leave a voicemail, you know what I mean? Saying like, you know, what's your, how has Kobe impacted the game of basketball? How has he as, you know, impacted your life? You know what I mean? From whatever perspective and stuff, you know what I'm saying? Then just, you know, leave your recording and it's going on the podcast and stuff. And like, there's no like, we ain't breaking down no games and we ain't talking about nothing like that. This is an entire fan interactive experience. And I'm glad that you, you know, you left the message. Somebody left uh Mark Medina, the um from USA Today left a five minute message, you know, talking about Kobe. Because Mark Medina, you know, Mark Medina oh, was wow. Kobe's last interview. He died nine days later. You know, you know. So yeah, he was talking yeah, about that and that. stuff like that. So he yeah. had like a five minute um message. You know what I mean? And then one of my friends, um, David Lovekin, that I just told you about, his message is like nine minutes long. So I think right now I got like almost I got over yeah. 30 minutes of straight messages from people that support Kobe, man. You know, you know what I'm saying? So that's yeah, that's up. my way that's of just, up, you know, DA, honoring them and stuff like that. And um, you know. Just wanted to just keep it, just keep it, you know, you know, let the fans speak. Because, you know, the fans always got a lot to say, you know what I mean? And I know the fans is, you know, big-time Kobe, you know, fans and stuff like that. But they, they can't really say nothing because they just, you know, they're just fans. You know what I mean? They can voice their their emotions on Twitter and stuff like that. But I was just like, let me give them an outlet to where they can go talk they talk and stuff. So I decided to do that, and, and it's going well so far. So, you know, you know what I mean? So as as of, you know, that's, that's just what it is, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, yes. you know, with that being said, man, listen, I, I really appreciate you coming on and telling us your story, because like I said, you know, this is Hooper's Unhailed. This is for the unheralded, the untrumpeted, the unsung. And, you know, you definitely uh, have a story to tell. And it was a great one. And, you know, I just want everybody to know, you know, what you're doing now. So um, go ahead and and plug all of your uh, all of your stuff, um, you know, for the listeners and you know for even the new listeners that that's that's going to be listening on here. You know, just plug everything in, and you know we, we yeah. Keep Before I do that, going. can I give a so shout out to uh, do another Hooper's unhailed person real quick? So I want to shout out. I want to shout out my best friend. I already I told you he passed Absolutely. away and stuff, man. And one of the most unhailed Hoopers because we never going to hear of him. You know what I'm saying? Because he's no longer here. And it's funny because his name is George Jefferson, right? So, <laughs> one of the best players to come out of New York City, man. He came out, yeah. the, you know, out of um, high school with like Quincy Doobie and everybody like that. But like, I just had to shout him out because you know, I mean, I'd be missing my basketball friends, man. That's not here today, you know what I'm saying? And like with George, he, you know, he went to St. Peter's College where he, you know, he 
he passed away at in his sleep and stuff. So young, man, you know. And um, but at Automotive High School, he scored um eighteen hundred and thirty points and grabbed almost fourteen hundred rebounds as a shooting guard, as a six foot three, two hundred and fifteen pound shooting guard. You know what I'm saying? And um, you know, to have those numbers, you know, it it was it was just crazy. He he had games of he averaged his senior year in high school, bro. He averaged thirty points and twenty one rebounds a game. Okay. He had games. He had a game. That's he had fifty-seven crazy. points and twenty-seven rebounds, man. You know, and it's just it's just sad that we didn't get to see this man grow. You know, and um, it's, it's sad that we didn't see him grow. He passed away. He was twenty-one. He was one of my best friends. So I always I just wanted to just you know shout him out, man. Just like you know miss him and stuff. Since we you know just being like emotional about the whole Kobe thing and stuff like. There's a lot of us, man. There's a lot of them out there that's passed away. You know. You know what I'm saying? That you know that you wish that was still here. You know, that that that, that was a good hooper. There's a bunch of them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, you know, uh, unhail yeah, hoopers, you know what I mean? That's a fact. It's, it's, it's bigger than just me. It's bigger than it's bigger than the podcast, man. It's just it's a lot of us. Some people just lose their life too early, man, to violence, to natural causes, to everything, man. So, like, I just want to shout out all the people that's no longer here, too, as well. You know what I'm saying? So I just thought that I would just get that out the way real quick. And um, y'all can find me at on Instagram and Twitter at Daniel Artest Pod, and also on Instagram and Twitter at 265 Media. That's two, the word 60, the number five media, all one word, 265 Media. And also on Facebook, we got the 265 Media Facebook group too as well. And um, you can listen to my podcast on all, you know, podcast streaming services. And there you have it. Listen, man, I want to thank you, you know, for being on with me tonight. And, you know, like I said, we're going to keep this momentum going, you know. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, I wish you all well. Peace and love to everybody out there. This has been Hoop is Unhailed, and I'm your host, Kevin, better known in this media world as Chaos. And we'll holler at y'all later. Thanks, bro. For me, I know that's a lot of Yo, time. I know, but thanks. Man. Was... And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another Unhailed Hooper, another story told. I would personally like to thank Daniel Artest for coming on and telling us his story from top to bottom. We'll see you next week with another unhailed hooper who hails from Newark, New Jersey. So stay tuned. It's going to be a fun one. Peace and love to everybody out there and I'll holla at you. Flavor production. Yeah.